no imagination but his own could have dared to attempt none else would have risen to the height of this great argument it just had to be milton don't we feel the internal force and splendor in his language we may not know or understand the historical philosophical allusions the extent and the diversity of his learning may leave us utterly bewildered what if we read aloud his lines one glance at the catalog of buried names and we turn away but when recited what do we experience a picturesque quality the sounds and epithets give a vague pleasure they stir up the imagination can we deny an indistinct emotion within us books 1 and 2 belong to satan he is portrayed as the greatest power to be overthrown with the strongest will to resist and endure his strength of mind is as matchless as his physical power we marvel at the vastness of his designs though we know it's futile for he is doomed to eternal damnation but look look at his firm inflexible determination with which he submits the fierceness of the flames made weak by his fiery inextinguishable pride we see satan dazzling in his faded splendor the clouded ruins of a god we are never allowed to forget that he was once a glorious angel of god good rather than evil Satan compensates for the loss of infinite happiness in himself with the thought of inflicting infinite misery on others. Yet he is not the principle of malignity. Abstract love of evil. Yet he is not the principle of malignity. Abstract or the abstract love of evil. He has chosen evil acting through free will. in conscious opposition to god's will the allure of free will is where the power attractiveness of satan's character lies he is useless to fight against the 10000 thunders of christ's fury but in his free will in his mind he is supreme what though the field be lost all is not lost the unconquerable will perplexed baffled not in despair he's cast down but not destroyed it's his inordinate pride the love of power his self will personified everywhere satan shows the same decided superiority wherever he's introduced gigantic potentious lucifer is another name for satan and what does it mean light bringer in latin not far from shakespeare's speak again bright angel in romeo juliet the adversary in hebrew how is satan defined only by his opposition and his relation to god he is often presented with reference to his former beauty the excess of glory obscured we are constantly reminded by the bright angel motif that satan was created by god but then opposed him 
Is he a failed creation? The mind is its own place and in itself can make a heaven of hell a hell of heaven. Is Satan deluding himself? He comes into Eden tormented by the hot hell that always in him burns. A hell of his own choosing, own creation, caused by hate, envy of everything good. His mind not only unconquerable, but also unconditionally opposed to the will of God. Speak again, bright angel. Needs to be considered. Speaking is what Satan does extremely well. We must never forget that the two major events of the poem are created by his persuasive speeches. He convinces the angels to take up arms against God. He cunningly tempts and reduces Eve to eat the forbidden fruit. In the former, he takes a third of the heavenly host with him, and in the latter, the whole of the human race, or so he thinks. Isn't he then the charismatic, eloquent, bright angel who speaks again and again? Doesn't he tempt the reader too along with Eve to know, to think, to question, explore, reinterpret. He does all this. Eat this intellectual food and make wise, he says. He urges us to win over the power of the free-willed mind and make it its own place. That leads us to the question, is Satan then the hero of Paradise Lost? This question looms large and has been and still is a controversial one, generating endless debates. Pius Milton was uncomfortable with how attractive a character Satan was becoming and so gradually reduced the role of Satan's speeches as the play progressed. A human voice, a plea when it comes to Eve, and a thundering, rousing, commanding speech when it comes to his troops. He wants them to act. Is this a decline, just convincing a woman to eat fruit? Pause. Surely it demonstrates another kind of power, a subtlety he is able to entice. Looking at Satan again, the final humiliation comes when in Book 10, Satan, his troops, are reduced to serpents, entirely deprived of the power of speech. He would have spoke, but hiss for hiss returned with folk tongue to folk tongue. Satan is a hero in book one and two. The first two books, his speech and towering presence dominates the narrative. Action stopped while he had a say. And now? Words of the narrative swallow him up, mocking, imitating, hissing, speechless. Satan has been silenced completely, humiliatingly for the rest of the poem. Satan's speech must be silenced as its immense power over the poem and the reader is too attractive. He's far too great a competitor and there's only room, as Kate Margaret says, for one king 
at the end of the poem. One majesty, one talk. Is Satan still the tragic hero? Or perhaps the tragic anti-hero? As Liz Rowlands feels. Or at the very least, a magnificent character who possesses the stature and attributes in the Greek tradition, arousing admiration, fear, pity. Satan's tragic flaws led to his downfall. Envy, pride, ambition. And he is aware of this. In heaven, his pride convinces him he is equal to God. Sparks his ambition, while envy at God's appointment of his son as Messiah fuels the rebellion. Despite the enormity of his flaws and Milton's attempts to belittle him, don't we still admire his strength of resolve and powers of leadership? Don't we fear his inevitable fate? Don't we feel pity for his torment? If yes, then Satan deserves the tragic status and shares space with the tragic greats in literature, Prometheus, Faust, Macbeth, Tamale. The characterization of Satan is one of the supreme achievements of world literature. The romantics like Blake and Shelley felt that nothing could exceed the energy and magnificence of the character of Satan as expressed, as expressed in Paradise Lost. Milton's devil as a moral being is far superior to his God, he said. He is one who perseveres in some purpose. He conceives to be excellent in spite of adversity and torture. Milton lavished all his powers, all his skill and the greater part of his sympathy on the splendid figure of Satan. The epic value of Paradise Lost is centered on the character and the achievement of Satan, just as Iliad for Achilles and Odyssey for Odysseus. Paradise Lost exists for Satan. His vast agony symbolizes the profound angst of the modern consciousness. Such is the grandeur of Satan that Milton was unwittingly led away by the creature of his own imagination. That's why Blake said, the reason Milton wrote in fetters when he wrote of angels and God and at liberty when of devils and hell is because he was a true poet and of the devil's party without knowing it. There is less imagination, sublimity, grandeur, and poetic invention in the description of Eden as compared to that of chaos and pandemonium. Purely eminently Miltonic are the lines given to Satan, the finest when he addresses the sun and later, myself am hell while they adore me on the throne of hell. Satan has a sublimity and the majesty, the dignity of bearing which are brought home to us in some half a dozen of the finest poetic passages in the world. Was ever terror more magnificently embodied than in the phantom figure of death? Black it stood as night, fierce as ten furies, 
terrible as hell, shook a dreadful dart what seemed his head, the likeness of a kingly crown had on. Satan was now at hand. The monster moving onward came as fast with horrid strides. Hell trembled as he strode. Satan rises above the other archangels when he takes upon himself the unknown dangers of traveling through chaos and seducing man. Milton has skillfully humanized his character. The enemy of God and man feels deep remorse at the thought of his suffering, at the thought of his suffering followers, and is moved to tears. He shows a noble sense of duties, self-sacrifice. He is twice melted with compassion when he sees the innocence of Adam and Eve. Softer feelings, though occasional touches, make him very, very human. The bold enterprise when he undertakes that, the doubts, the passions which overwhelm him and trouble him. How awestruck he is with wonder when he first sees Adam and Eve. Does Milton see himself in Satan? His own proud spirit of defiance and independence? His fight against tyranny and injustice? Satan has a dark charisma. He pleased their ear. A revolutionary demand for self-determination. His speech is peppered with the language of democratic governance. Free choice, full consent, the popular vote. And he famously declares, better to reign in heaven, sorry, Better to reign in hell than serve in heaven. Satan rejects God's splendid vassalage. He seeks to live free, more accountable, preferring hard liberty before the easy yoke of servile pomp. Milton's Satan is certainly a self-portrait in many ways, glorified to an extent. Again we wonder, if he is the hero. The poet has unconsciously endowed him with heroic proportions, transferring to him his own love of unshackled liberty, making him the victim of divine tyranny as he himself was that of the stewards. Milton's God has been deemed cruel, inflexible, who tortures Satan and his followers just to exasperate them. Knowing full well that is futile, Satan will never relent and Satan is doomed. Satan conceived sin. The entire creation was corrupted. Satan brought sin into paradise, corrupted Eve's heart, weakened Adam well before they even took a bite of the forbidden fruit. Is that why God devises a grace out of his love that Christ should sacrifice himself for the salvation of mankind? Are Christ and Satan then epic machines? And is Adam the tragic hero of Paradise Lost? <laughs>